the only thing you can take care of is the state of your mind. Because if your mind is okay, everything is okay. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. So let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Emma Seppala, and Emma is a PhD science director of Stanford University's Center of Compassion and Altruism research and education and the author of the happiness track Uh, she is co-director of the yale college emotional intelligence project at the yale center for emotional intelligence and faculty director of the yale school of management's women's leadership program welcome to the show emma thank you so much drew All right, let's dive in here, Emma. So maybe just start by telling us a little bit about your very inspiring personal experience about with breathing and meditation, in particular about how you got started. You know, I know you talked about moving to New York City right before 9-11. Maybe just talk about how you got started with your breathing and meditation practice. Sure. I moved to New York a couple days before 9-11 and was on the roof of our building when I saw the second plane crash. And um, after that, I started having really strong anxiety every morning at 8.30 as the day was starting. And um, I was trying, you know, many different things. I was doing hot yoga a lot. I was trying mindfulness, which was really just sort of starting in its um, popularity. And it, those things weren't working. I mean, weren't working enough. I w- it wasn't doing, um, doing what I needed. I was still anxious. I couldn't sit still and meditate because I was so anxious, which I think is true of a lot of people who, when they feel anxiety, just sitting with your eyes closed is actually not helpful at that moment. And then I learned a breathing technique called Sudarshan Kriya um, through the Art of Living um, Foundation. And finally, I started to feel peace. And, um, and then later, when I became a, a research scientist, I thought it would be really interesting to do research on this breathing technique for veterans with trauma. And uh, we did that and and found that really we were able to normalize their trauma and anxiety within a week, which is really, really extraordinary because um, therapeutic and pharmaceutical um, interventions don't work um, as fast and in many cases don't work at all. So that was really amazing to see. And since then, I've, I've actually run another study at Yale with the Sudarshan Kriya looking at um, students throughout the semester. We also um, had other groups doing mindfulness and another group doing emotional intelligence and also control group. And again, we found that the Sudarshan Kriya program had um, by far the most benefits. So there's something to breathing. It's really powerful. So for people listening who who are not familiar with Sudarshan Kriya, can you just give a a sort of a a brief rundown on what it is so they have an idea of uh, what you're you're talking about? Yeah, Sudarshan Kriya is, is, some people will think, oh, just breathing, I can do breathing, or I can go to yoga class and learn some pranayama. But what you learn in the Art of Living classes is a a program of um, various types of breathing, including the Sudarshan Kriya, which... Um, when done together in the way that it's um, taught and done um, at home and can, you know over a period of time, you'll notice a real shift in your nervous system. So it's just so carefully designed um, and uh, 
really effective. So it's a series of breathing techniques, I would say, but you really have to take a class to learn how to do them. Right, right. So, I mean, now probably more than ever, I mean, there's such an epic level of fear right now mm. with this virus and just the way we're living. Yeah. Um, so, you know, would you say that now more than ever, we need some kind of a breathing practice? Yes. I mean, look, there's chaos outside. There's chaos outside your door. Um, there's there's fear. Um, everything is unpredictable. The government is unpredictable. So many things are unpredictable. So the only thing you can take care of is the state of your mind. Because if your mind is okay, everything is okay. If you are centered, if you are calm, if you are able, then you are able to be your best self. And that's really all we can ask for, right, is to live our life and try to be our best self despite the circumstances, because it will allow us to show up in a helpful way, in a compassionate way, in an innovative and creative way, in an insightful way, in a wise way. Beautiful. You know, I, I know a lot of people listening might be familiar with meditation and how, you know, deep breathing, it affects the nervous system and all of this. But you gave an amazing TED Talk where you, where you talked it was called breathing happiness and you mentioned an amazing study about how the breathing also connects to our emotions could you maybe just give a, a quick overview of the study you were talking about and just how it can relate to you know connecting the breath to our emotions sure i think we've all experienced how when we have different emotion our breath changes so for example when you're feeling anxious you'll notice that the pace of your breath is more rapid same when you're angry You'll come home from a long day of work and you're tired, you collapse into the sofa and you heave a big sigh, um, laughing, sobbing. And emotions are linked to different patterns of breathing. And there was a research study that looked at this. It had different people come in, had them experience different emotions, and lo and behold, their breathing changed according to the emotion. But the more interesting part of the study was the second part. And in the second part of the study, they had different people come in and those people were given instructions to breathe in the manner that corresponded to the emotions as seen in part one of the study. And then they asked those sec that second group of participants, how do you feel? And they noted that those people started to feel the emotions that corresponded to the breathing. So there's a, it, breathing and emotions are a two-way street. When you feel different emotions, your breathing changes, but you can change your breathing and it will change your emotional state. That's really powerful because no, nobody's learned, nobody has ever taught us how to manage our emotions. Most of us have just been taught to bottle them up. And we know from research that when you bottle your emotions up, it actually wreaks havoc on your body. If you, you know, if you feel angry anyway, that already increases inflammation in your body, your heart rate, your blood pressure, your sweating, etc. But if you bottle that anger up, all of those systems go haywire. They get the, the, the physiological repercussions on your body are way more intense and also destructive. So bottling emotions doesn't work for us. And, and yet there's this other technique where we can use our breathing and that can be so much more effective. Absolutely. I, I love how you've said before, you know, um, you, you know, sometimes people try to talk themselves out of an emotion, but what if we tried actually to breathe our way out of it? That might be much more effective. Yes, because most of us are not so proud of the actions taken out of any negative emotion. Usually they're followed by regret and regret and self-hatred and anger, etc. It's, it's sort of a downward spiral. But if you can 
move through that negative emotion, breathe through it, meditate through it, allow it to fully exist and then fully extinguish itself. Then you can approach the situation from a place that has greater perspective and you'll probably take actions that you will be proud of. So absolutely, Emma. So your work with veterans has really been incredible when, when you learn about it. And as you've said before, some of these veterans, you know, they've been on medications, haven't really worked. They've done talk therapy, hasn't really worked, but the breathing has. I mean, for anyone who's listening, maybe any veterans listening, I mean, what, what do you think it is about the breathing that's so powerful and can really help, you know, help them change their lives? Well, we know that Memory is malleable. Memory is in some ways fictional, right? But that when you have trauma, it's as if that memory is stored front and center of your mind constantly. And so you're reliving that traumatic event, either in your dreams or you just have real high anxiety or it keeps coming back in flashbacks, etc. In some way, you are living in sort of a highly anxious state. And you can't really talk your way out of that either, right? That's where talk therapy is not always useful because sometimes it can be really traumatizing. You're going over the trauma again and again and again. Um, and in fact, feeling more and more like a victim too, which is what a lot of veterans do not ever want to feel because they're not that type of person. So the question is, how can you address trauma from a different place? Well, the, it really only makes sense to address it from a physiological place because in many ways, it's a physiological experience, right? So one veteran I worked with said, I know there's nothing dangerous in the mall, but I have to brace myself for 20 minutes before I can go in. So his mind is, is clear. There's no danger, but his body is reacting as if there were danger. So it makes sense to, for the healing process to begin at the level of the body, of the nervous system. And that's where breathing really can help. So the Sudarshan Kriya breathing practices in particular seem to calm, I mean, one way we hypothesize is that they calm the nervous system to such an extent that when those traumatic memories appear, they're usually, they're, they're all of a sudden they're coupled with a calm nervous system. Usually the traumatic memories will appear and your nervous system is jacked up and anxious, right? But all of a sudden in the Sudarshan Kriya breathing practices, sometimes the veterans or the, the practitioners will sense a memory coming up of a traumatic event, but they are in an extremely calm state. So there's like a decoupling that happens at the level of trauma and physiology. And when they are finished with the program, they'll say, I remember everything that happened, but I can move on. It's no longer disturbing every moment of their day. So it's as if that traumatic experience has been digested and there's a healing that's taken place at the level of the nervous system. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. That's that's awesome. So I wanted to ask you just a couple more questions here. And these are questions that I ask everybody that I talk to. So for anyone listening to the show right now who is feeling powerless, who's feeling hopeless about their life, about their future, what would be one thing, Emma, that they could maybe start doing today to begin to take their life in a new direction? Well, look at how you're living. Are the things you're doing life-supporting or not? For example, the most basic, are you sleeping enough? Are you taking care of your body in a way that leads to the greatest amount of energy because that will also impact the quality of your mind? So are you sleeping eight hours a night? Are you eating food that is full of life? Are you eating fruits and vegetables? Research shows that the more fruits and vegetables you eat, the happier you are. Or are you just eating out of cans and boxes? 
Are you eating processed foods with ingredients that you have no idea what they are? So that is definitely going to impact your body's well-being and as such is going to impact your mind. Same with exercise. Are you exercising? But not just exercising. Are you getting outside? If you're always indoors and you never get sunlight and you're never out in, you're not profiting from all of the benefits you would get from that. So those are the basics, right? Resting well, eating well, exercising and getting outside. And then that is what that's setting the baseline for a state of mind that's positive. But then you also need to address the mind at the level of the mind. Doing breathing exercises like the Sudarshan Kriya, meditating. Those those are many ways in which you're not just feeding, you're feeding your body, you're feeding your mind, you're creating equilibrium and you're creating harmony within your mind and body. And then finally, I think another thing that's really important is perspective, wisdom. And one of the most basic ways to cultivate wisdom and perspective is to one, realize how much you have been given in this life. Like you have life. You have been given enough that you're sitting here listening to this podcast. There are so many things to be grateful for that it's, you, you can't even list them all. They're infinite, right? How many, how many things you've been given from the food to the shelter, to the people have cared for you for the moment that brought you right here, right now, listening right now. Um, so that's one perspective. And the other perspective is just remembering that everything is changing. Everything is impermanent. We have flowers right now in our garden and they're so beautiful and they last a week. They last a couple of days and then they're gone. That's true for everything. And just really letting that sink in, not as a depressing thing, but just realizing everything is changing. And so, you you know, it's true that it can be painful in some ways, like your child graduates from high school and you're sending them to college. And maybe that feel, makes you feel sad. At the same time, you also realize that is the truth. And the dark periods in your life will also change. So that will also give you like a broader perspective. And finally, the most important thing I would say is, are you being of service to anyone or to anything on this planet, because that is probably the greatest secret to well-being. Of course, you have to do all of the thing, all of the other basics of taking care of your body and mind. But if you are giving to others, if you're uplifting others, if you are engaging in any kind of compassion or altruistic act towards others, nurturing and caring, uplifting, helping, you will live a life that is deeply fulfilling and also healthier. It actually impacts your health, your longevity, your well-being, your psychological well-being. So I would say a life that includes all of those elements is really a life that can be the most fulfilling, but also leave you strong, really strong to face the ups and downs and upheavals of life. Beautiful, Emma. That's great. So I have a final question for you. And again, this is a question I like to ask everybody. So I'm going to throw it out at you. Um, If you had the opportunity to travel back in time 20 years, 25 years, what words of what words of wisdom might your current self tell your younger self? So I would be what twenty five years old. <laughs> yeah, I would have been. Well, no, wait, how old? Okay, I'm forty. So I would have been fifteen. I'm, I'm trying to think how old I would have been. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, I know. They do the math. <laughs> I would have worked on meditating earlier and really um, try to take in that message of sort of self-love much, much earlier in life if I could have. Um, because I, I just sort of realized for myself, and actually I teach a lot of women's leaders and so forth, and 
a lot of women, I would say maybe 90% of women and maybe all of all people suffer from this sort of lack of self-love. And there's really nothing, nothing that can heal that gap and that wound within yourself. No amount of love from anyone else, certainly, if you're not directing that towards yourself. And so I would say that that is the most, one of the most challenging things for humans and yet also the most needed. And once you are able to live with that, taking good care of yourself, Uh, listening to yourself, listening to your intuition, listening to your boundaries, creating boundaries and nurturing yourself. I think that is so profoundly healing and something that everyone, almost everyone needs. And that if more people lived in a way that was harmonious with their own needs, then they would also have more harmonious relationships with others. And that would be really profound for society. Because once you can really truly accept yourself and respect yourself and respect your boundaries, you will also do the same for others. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of the old Chinese proverb, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. So here's to getting started today, right now living with awareness, living with intention, and living with purpose. Stay well, everyone.